0: Hello, and welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up again in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, and verse 17. Now, in our last study, we worked through the first six vials of this book. And I know I've said it a lot, but at the sixth vial, the sixth trump and the sixth seal, that's all the appearance of the Antichrist. God really wants you to understand that he comes before the true Christ. That's why his number is 666. For God, he just laid it right out there. And said, so you look at each appearance here, each time that the sixth of one of these comes about, it's when sh- Satan shows up in this world where we can see him and that hour of temptation begins. Now, as we pick it up in the 17th verse, we're going to be getting into the seventh vial. so we'll go ahead and get right on into that. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. And verse 17 reads, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, 'It is done. This flesh age is done at that point. There's no more flesh. That's the seventh trump. That's when Christ steps his foot back on earth, on Mount Zion, and there is a way split straight from it to the temple. And all flesh is done away with. We're then in our spiritual body. That's when it comes to pass. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, that we are, if you read the verse properly translated, that we are uh, transitioned into our spirit in the multitudes at that point. Now, verse 18. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and it was a great earthquake, such as what was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Now, such as was not since men were upon the Earth, such as was not in this flesh age. It's another catabol, if you will, that overthrow that caused the earth to be void and without form. But this time, it's going to be shaken. And it's going to return to that paradise that it came from. Verse 19. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of his fierceness of his wrath. You see, God don't forget anything. He don't ever forget his promises. He knows what's going to happen. Now, this cup right here in this verse, let's go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Now, this is when Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. And you know, many people stumble over this prayer because, verse 39, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it were possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Many people get confused in this verse or stumble on this verse because they say, well, he was having a flesh moment and it was a moment of weakness and he knew the pain and agony that was going to come with the crucifixion. So he was trying to figure out another way to bring salvation. That's not the cup. The crucifixion is not the cup he's praying of here. If you'll remember, Christ, was his name was Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 14, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child, and ye shall name him Emmanuel. That means God with us, God in the flesh. And his mission while in the flesh was to bring about salvation. He knew that he would be the one and for all time sacrifice in the flesh. His flesh had to be pierced. Bringing about the first prophecy in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That his heel would be bruised so that he could come back and crush Satan's head. So what cup is he talking about? Let's move over to Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 15. Jeremiah 25 and verse 15. Where would I go here? Here we go verse 15 reads for thus saith the Lord of the Lord God of Israel unto me take the wine cup of this fury at my hand and cause all nations to whom I send thee to drink it now in revelation Babylon is known as that great city of confusion and it's not just one little spot but when the whole world is confused and engulfed in the lies of Satan, then it is also symbolic of that entire world right there that have become the apostates, those that have become Satan worshipers. Verse 16, And they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then took I this cup at the Lord's hand and made all nations to drink unto whom the Lord had sent me. It's this cup of furious uh, of fury, that he's going to pour out. And the reason that Christ was asking, is there another way that we can go about this? is because it's going to be poured out on his children. And he don't want to have to pour that wrath out. He don't want to see his children harmed. You know, it's just like in discipline, one of our children, you don't want to. But in order that they grow up with the respect and, With the knowing how to act and everything, the discipline, you have to. It's tough love. That's why God would say he chastens those that he loves, because he cares. Now, back here in Revelation, chapter, I mean, uh, verse 20. And every island has fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hell out of heaven every stone about the weight of a talent, that being 120 to 180 pounds. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of hell, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now this this plague is also, I guess you could say hinted at, in Zechariah chapter 14, when the seventh seal comes about. Let's move over there, Zechariah. Second to last book of the Old Testament, right before Malachi. We're going to chapter 14. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Now, the day of the Lord, that's at that seventh trump. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. That's that millennial kingdom. And thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. This is talking about Jerusalem. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Now this is spiritually, they're brought to bondage. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Now, in this day of battle, in the Hebrew, this is kerab. And it's the equivalent to the Greek katabol, meaning the overthrow. In that day of battle, whenever he went out and overthrew the rebellion of Satan. Verse 4, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. You wonder where Christ is coming back to? The Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. Now, this is that way that's made. Whenever he steps foot down, it's going to clear a path. So that he can r- walk right to the east gate of the temple, and walk right in, and take what is rightfully his. Verse five: And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Ye shall, yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. Now that earthquake's mentioned in Amos, chapter one, verse one, and the Lord my God. Shall come and all the saints with thee, and it shall come to pass in that day again, the Lord's day that the light shall be clear, that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known for the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And why is that? It's because Christ is going to be here and that Shekinah glory is going to be shining, and Christ will be that light for the thousand years. That's why it says in Matthew that the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall. That's because His light is so much greater than the luminaries that are in the sky right now that we won't even see them. Verse 8, And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. So what it's saying there. In summer and winter shall it be. It's not going to dry up in the summer. And it's not going to freeze in the winter. These living waters will always be flowing. And the Lord shall be the king. Over all the earth. In that day. Shall there be one Lord. And his name one. Now. You might think, well, we have only one God right now. Yes, we do have one God. But how many different little idols do people worship now? In that day, all focus will be on him and not on all the other little stuff and all the little pretend gods and the stones that are whittled out to be worshipped and idols and all this other stuff. Verse 10. And all the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Remon, south of Jerusalem. And it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananil unto the king's winepress. That's from north to south, east to west, all around. It's going to be a plain. And men shall dwell in it. And there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. You see, this is when God and his children are taken over. Everything's going to be peaceful, true peace, not the false peace, but true peace. Verse 12, And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem, this being those apostates. And matter of fact, this has to do with the flesh at the seventh trump right here. This is what I wanted to get to with that plague of hell. What happens at the seventh trump? Their flesh shall com- consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. Why is that? The flesh goes away. We don't need it anymore. As Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting about verse 35, you have two bodies. You have a, a flesh body, or an earthly body, and you have a spiritual body. And it's those spiritual bodies that we'll be living in for the eternity. And we get rid of these flesh bodies in that day. When the seventh trump sounds, at that point, we're no longer in the flesh. All right, let's get back over to Revelation Chapter 17, verse 1. Now, one thing about chapter 17, as we read through the first part of this, it's another vision, but in the second part of this chapter, God translates it for us. So let's go ahead and get into it. Verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now, we obviously know that this is that false doctrine, that one that follows the Antichrist, and all these kings of the earth and all these fornicators that followed her, they're in a the bind. That's the apostates. That's the, the, the ones that worship the Antichrist. Verse 3, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names, of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Here we go with this beast again. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, looked so royal, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication and upon her forehead was a name written mystery babylon the great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth and i saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of martyrs of jesus and when i saw her i wondered with great admiration i just couldn't believe that somebody would be that bent on going against God, going against Christ. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. Now, here's the translation for us. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. And go into perdition. Now we know who the son of perdition is. It's Satan. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder. Whose names were not written in the book of life. From the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast. That was and is not and yet is. Now we've gone over that. That that means those who didn't stand for God in the first age. They, they will marvel at this. But those who stood for God, those elect, they'll find no marvel in this because the seals are in their forehead. We've covered these seals in here. And we will know that it's not right. And so there won't be any temptation to marvel from it to us. We, there, there's, there's nothing we'll get out of that. Verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. That's kind of saying perk up. Now listen to this. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now these seven mountains. Think about that. It's seven places of earth, okay? The seven continents. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen. And one is. And the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, He must continue a short space. That means there's these systems, and there's a system set up right now in the world. But then this next system to come is going to be that one world beast system, and it will only be here five months, according to chapter 9 of this book. Verse 11 And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth in. To perdition so he's here he's running it and he comes in basically shows himself to be running it in the second half of that hour of temptation that the the two and a half months if you want to divide the five and then he's showing himself at that point that he is God but he still has that beast system that he's keeping keeping alive. Remember from the deadly wound. But it says right there of the seven, and goeth into perdition. So we know again that that is Satan. Verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet. They're not kings right now, but they're coming with Satan. But receive power as kings one hour with the beast, that hour of temptation. That's his 10 kings that he brings with him that help him to set up that beast system. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. They're very organized. They know exactly what step to take, when they need to take it because they're all together in this thing. Verse 14, These shall make war with the lamb And the Lamb shall overcome them. There's no question about it. The Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. That's very important right there. They're called. They're chosen. But what else are they? They're faithful. They know for a fact that he shall overcome. There's no question. Verse 15, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So, this idolatrous whore, this fornicator, this one that takes all the different false religions of the world, is sitting with the people. I mean It means that doctrine is being scattered in all the world. That wine that she's drunken with, these false religions, is being poured out and believed throughout all the world. Verse 16, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. You see, Satan and his group don't want a whole lot of different religions. Satan wants to be worshipped. He don't want anybody worshipping anybody else or any other false religion. He wants to be the one to get all the worship, to show himself, to try to prove to himself that he's God. And it's almost going to work right up until that seventh trump sounds and he gets his head bruised. Verse 17, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. What's this beast being used for? Did you, did you catch that right there? For God hath put in their hearts to, to fulfill his will. It's God's will to see who's going to stand for him. That's the entire reason we're in this flesh right now is to choose to love God or choose to worship Satan. And it's, that's the reason that Satan has not been destroyed. God could blot him out at any minute, any time he wanted to. He could blot him out. He'd be gone. His smoke would rise forever and ever. He'd be just like the, the fat of a lamb on a spit that hits the coals and just, and he'd be gone. That's that. But, He's still here to fulfill God's will. And that is either to sharpen that iron that is in the saints that have the seals of God in their forehead, or see those who don't care about God and who would rather just take it easy, go the way of the world, and follow Satan. All right, verse 18. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. That great city, that being Babylon, confusion. If you look around the world, there is a lot of confusion in the world today. That's why it's so important to study this word and not just catch a verse here, catch a verse there, but read it line upon line, precept upon precept. As it says in Second Timothy that study to show thyself approved, a workman needing not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, understanding where the subject starts and reading it through, not catching it mid-subject or at the end of it and twisting the verse a little bit, but understanding what the word truly says. Verse eight, uh, Chapter 18, verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. He had that authority, and as that light that was shining here that we discussed in in that day of the Lord. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, this word bird here is referring to spirit. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich though the abundance, through the abundance of her delicacies. Now, this, this, the merchants here that are rich, this is, it's all well and good. And these delicacies are, are luxury, you know. And what this is doing, this identifies the city with chapter 17, with that city. And it's also implied that Babylon will basically become the headquarters. Of spiritualism. That's where everyone spiritually, everyone's going to be worshiping the, the Satan. That confusion is going to be running wild, and through that, through worshiping these the the Antichrist, well then that's why it's the hold of all the unclean spirits. Those seven thousand that die immediately, those Rafa. They're going to be right there with Satan in that great city of Babylon, in that great confusion. And it's just, it's a messy situation. Verse 4, spiritually. Verse 4, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out here, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. We're saying is learn the truth. Understand that that confusion will lead into Satan worship. Learn the truth and come out of that. Verse 5, For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her indi- her iniquities. At that point, whenever whenever they have reached to heaven, at that point, that seventh trump's about to sound, the end is here. Verse six, reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. Now, something interesting about this, just it's, you can just take it with a grain of salt, but that cup, if you remember the number of the beast, 666, if you double that, That's 1,332. And that's three days short of the 1,335 days the saints are to wait for in Daniel chapter 12, verse 12. What happens three days prior to Christ's return? The two witnesses are, are, are killed. And at that point when those two witnesses are killed, that iniquity reaches heaven. And that wrath... Is soon to be poured out. Verse seven. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she hath in her heart, for she hath for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Now think about that just for a second. We're the bride of Christ. And Christ was crucified. Which makes Christ's bride a widow. She's saying, I am no widow. Meaning her husband hadn't been killed. Who is that? That's Satan. Verse 8. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day in the Lord's day. Death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. At that seventh trump, all the wicked rudiments will be destroyed. And the kings of the earth, those world leaders, who have committed fornications and live deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning meaning they're going to be pretty upset because they know they were in that boat too. And their lavish lifestyle, their false power, their false authority is going to be gone. And that's all they were about was trying to see how powerful they could be in the flesh. And at that point, it's all over. Verse 10, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city of Babylon that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. That hour of temptation, those five months, it stood strong. It looked real good, peaceful, and prosperous. They killed the two witnesses. And three days later, wrath is poured out, and that city is gone. We'll pick it up in verse 11 in the next study. God bless you all, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.